Welcome to This Sober Life, a podcast about two sober 20-somethings trying to make it in a non-sober world. I am Alyssa. And I am Faye. And hi, guys. We just spent the past 12 hours watching the end of Gilmore Girls. It was everything I dreamed it would be. Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll try to, um, I guess decompress without spoiling things for those of you who haven't seen it yes um but basically neither of us had seen the year in life uh that had come out this past thanksgiving yeah Uh, but we heard a lot of uproar about it negative uproar yeah and so we were like okay well we'll see what it's all about fucking loved it loved it also this is, we should note that I'm coming off of a Gilmore Girls bender. I've been watching it nonstop. I tried very hard not to like the Gilmore Girls because my mother likes it. And I was like, no, I can't like that. But I drank the Kool-Aid. I loved it. And except for the seventh season, which was terrible. This is my thing is that the reboot was like so sweet and cute and awesome. The seventh season's really where we should like complain because it was terrible. Just let's pretend it doesn't exist. I I hadn't watched all of the seventh season uh, because I got so fed up with the storyline. Like the writing was just really, really lazy. And the whole like, oh, well, We'll put her with Christopher and then we'll like, will she or won't she with Luke? And it was just like, really, like, couldn't we get that stupid romantic drama out of the way the first couple of seasons instead of ending the show with that? Yes, it was. And I feel like in the seventh season, it was just revolving around their relationships with people and it really wasn't about them anymore yeah. which is like what I which had a is huge problem really with. upsetting um and because I, I hate it any tv show when they really just hone in on the romantic relationships yes because that shit gets old I know this is why I love the x-files the x-files never did that <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderfully absent of that stuff but yeah so we are just coming off of our our high um but Gilmore Girls is so good and it's so cute and I think we were both talking about how um in the reboot Rory is kind of having a crisis of sorts like she kind of doesn't know where she's going and she's feeling really aimless and she doesn't know where her calling is and both of us were like oh my god I feel that that. entirely yeah and and the fact that she's like 32 years old, a Yale graduate, basically had most things spoon fed to her, had guys chasing after her. And it's like, yeah. Rory, get your life together. But I think one of the things that actually I liked a lot about the reboot was Emily and Emily's storyline. Oh I, I thought that was just so beautiful, like her dealing with loss. Yes. Um and and I think something that a lot of television shows and movies don't address is what happens after the end. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they focus on a certain storyline, usually like a guy and a gal getting together and then they live happily ever after, or they don't live happily ever after, but you never really see any storylines that just deal with the fact that things happen and then they change. Yeah. Like change it happens naturally in an arc, but you never really deal with the fact that like what happens did matter and still does matter, but it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that Emily's arc really, really addressed that very well. Oh yeah. I think that this idea, I think that like all of the storylines kind of like revolved around this idea that like, um, this kind of, when you hit something, when you hit a wall or you hit this kind of still in your life, like how you kind of maneuver around that and how you kind of move through that. Um, you know, for Lorelai, she had to like go out to the woods and pretend to hike. Um, (laughs) Rory kind of was dealing with her breakdown and like other sorts of ways. Emily was getting rid of all of her stuff and all of, but it was really, yeah, it was really refreshing. I think it like, if we want to bring it back to sobriety, um, it's kind of, I think it related to us so well because that's really what we're doing like right now. Like we're in this transition period of 
moving from how life looked while we were still drinking and what that life entailed to um, what life is like without alcohol. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be as changing as it is, but it is. It's like it's a huge shift in your life. And all of a sudden, you know, I like think about myself in a different way than I used to think about myself and the things that I do and like, I don't know, like yesterday was Saturday and I spent all day just like hanging out by myself. And the night before I went out, but then by 1030 was home because I was like tired and like kind of done with hanging out. And those are things I would never, ever do before. Like never in a million years, I'd be out drinking, finding some party, doing something. Um, and I'm just not doing that anymore. And that's, it's such a weird shift you know, it's from cool change is cool. Yeah. Um, I'll say one more thing about Gilmore girls and then I, I mean, guess we could talk about it. All we day. can talk about ourselves. I don't know. Um, but another thing that I really loved about the reboot was just the depiction of ups and downs, mm-hmm. like watching the seven seasons, like you kind of saw how Rory and Lorelai's and like the entire town of stars hollows lives progressed from the beginning through the end of the college years for Rory. Um, and then it picks up like several years later. And so you see how their lives have progressed and, and how the town and the people of the town have changed, but in the same, in, in certain ways, they all are kind of the same. Yeah. And I think life is a lot like that. Like we go through these big changes and then, but inherently there are still things about our lives that still remain the same. Um, and then you just experience ups and downs and sometimes things are amazing and great and you get caught up in all of the changes and all the experiences. And sometimes they're just boring and sometimes they fucking suck. Yeah. Sometimes they're real bad. Mm -hmm. And, and just being able to zoom out a little bit and see how things progress and seeing like, Oh, things are good between Luke and Lorelai and then they're not, but then they're good again. Um, it just, it's nice. It's very comforting. Yeah. And it, I don't know if I think that as someone that struggles with depression and kind of those, those really bad lulls or like when it dips down, it's always just refreshing to like, remember that everybody goes through it and that, you know, you'll go down for a little while and then you'll come back up and that's just how life works. Everything's temporary. Yeah. And nothing is the end of the world. Um, unless, you know, Trump continues to be president, then it might be the end of the world. Yeah. But there's a reason why we have term limits. Yes. Oh, sorry. Bring it, bring it, bring it away from politics. Step away from from that. Cannot. It's a whole separate podcast. Um, so, Earlier this week, we had gone out uh, to see Hidden Figures. Oh my God, so good. And we had some Chinese food um, jammed throughout the evening. Uh, And I think we had a really good conversation about community Mm -hmm. and what community has meant to us in the past and how that community has evolved uh, in present day. And so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And... You know, thinking about it, I'm like, I can relate this back to Gilmore Girls because I did feel so much connection, especially to Lorelai. I just, you know, I would love to have a relationship like Rory and Lorelai, but my relationship with my mother is more like Emily and Lorelai. And, um, you know, Lorelai had to move to a different town and she kind of had to find her own people and people that ended up being her family. And I think that that's definitely, you know, what I've had to do in my life. Um, and you know, I didn't grow up with a sense of home. I didn't grow up. I don't have, there's not a house that I lived in my whole life. Um, I, my oldest friends are friends that I had in high school. Um, so I never, I became really good and I think I'm still really good at making friends. I'm really good at first impressions. I'm not so good with follow through and I'm not so good at longevity. And um, I think that 
for a while, it was a way for me to kind of disappear. I could disappear within friend groups. Um, but now being sober, um, you know, I think that I found, I've, I'm starting to find the real people that are sticking in my life. And, um, I think that's community is so important for sobriety. It's so important. And you have to kind of find the people that you, um, feel comfortable with and you feel safe with and that, you know, are going to reaffirm your positive life choices. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily always your family, you know, the family that you're given. Have you ever heard of the term pulling a geographic? No. Okay. So it's something I came across um, shortly after I stopped drinking. Someone had sent me an article on pulling a geographic, but it's basically when everything goes to shit in your life. And instead of dealing with it, you kind of just pick up and move to a new place with the assumption that you're going to start new. You're going to leave all your problems behind, start fresh, and everything's going to be good. Uh, So I kind of pulled a geographic moving from Virginia here to Chicago. because I literally sold all of my personal belongings with the exception of like two bags of clothes and my freaking cat and then bought a plane ticket, a one way ticket, came here to Chicago, didn't know anybody and was like, yeah, I'm going to start over and everything's going to be great. And I bought a six pack of beer like the second day that I was here because I didn't know anybody and there was no one to hold me accountable. And I kept on telling myself, OK, well, there's always next week. There's always next week. There's always next week. And um, and that didn't really, like, help anything. Like, I didn't – I wasn't able to solve all my problems. Um, in fact, those problems came back and caught up with me tenfold um, after about a year of being here and having to, like, adjust into a new life. And so you were saying, um, like, growing up, you didn't really have connections with childhood friends because he moved a lot. And I had a similar experience too, because my dad was in the Navy. And so we moved around every two to three years and I just got used to like only having to be friends with people for two to three years Mm -hmm. and then not having to work on those friendships because I knew that we would move. And this was like in the days before the internet. So it's not like there was an easy way to keep up with people and stay connected to people. So I, I kind of keep in touch with my friends from high school. I did a better job when I was on the East coast because we were all in the same state. But since moving here, like I've probably seen a couple of them who've flown out here to Chicago for work related stuff, but they will never come out to visit me just to see me. Yeah. And I'm to the point where I have no desire to come back to visit Virginia. So I don't know what that means for those friendships. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to be okay with that. I used to not be okay with that because I used to want to really, really hang on to those because they're my longest, like I've known them the longest and I feel bad for not putting any effort into those friendships because I don't call them. I don't keep in touch with them except for like what we see on Facebook, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think because I do have that community of friends that I've made here in Chicago and and the funny thing is I was having um, like I was meeting up with a friend on Friday night and it was a friend I hadn't talked to since really becoming sober because I started keeping my distance from certain people. And he was one of the people that I kept distance from because he is a heavy drinker and I just needed to separate myself from that for a little bit. Um, and we were talking and he was like, yeah, like kind of seeing you distance yourself from a lot of people and a lot of things that you were really involved with. Like it looked like you were starting to separate from the city and it looked like, and it seemed like you had plans to move away hmm. potentially, which is kind of true. Cause when I was in California, I was, I started planning my exit strategy. <laughs> I still kind of am planning my exit strategy, but I think that, I don't know. I really value and appreciate the community that I've found here in Chicago. And I would like to have those people still be in my life like two, three years from now. I don't really want to pull another geographic. Yeah, I think it's hard because it's also, you know, to be cliche, that's that, that adage that, you know, 
um, people will stay in the people that need to stay in your life will stay in your life. Mm -hmm. And um, I've kind of had to, because I think that's right. You know, like when you have like certain connections with people and sometimes, you know, a friendship will just run its course and maybe that's just it. That was the end of your friendship. Um, and I kind of, I, I kind of run the line between those two things. Um, cause I did something similar. I mean, when I moved here to Chicago, I came with my girlfriend. So it was a little less like pick up and move, mm-hmm. but I definitely, there was definitely a, I don't, I don't want to be around my family anymore. Like I couldn't, I couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. And I needed to kind of shut myself off from that life and those, and you know, my family for a while. Um, and it took, it took a good like two years for my family and I's relationship to, or namely my mother and I relationship to kind of start to heal itself. Um, and you know, I definitely have feelings of like, I just want to go somewhere new and I want to start over. Um, but you know, there is, there's more at stake now, Mm -hmm. you know, like the one thing that this experience, um, with, um, my, my past year has been, it's just shown me how incredible the people in my life are and how lucky I am to have them. And those things are grounding for me. You know, um, I don't know where I would be without your friendship. I don't know where I'd be without Julia and Abby's friendship. Um, that it means the absolute world Mm -hmm. to me. And, these are the people that are in my life for a reason. And I, you know, I feel like I have to like see that through. Um, but yeah, I think mostly my dreams are just like, Oh, I meet somebody and then Mm -hmm. we move to a new city together and we start this life together. Um, Oh, can we, can we talk about like codependence for a little bit? Yes. Okay. So, so over the holidays, I spent it with my uncle one, one day, just one day with my uncle. Uh, and so he, he gave me some unsolicited advice. Oh, great. He was like, Faith, I, I understand that you're a very independent person and I respect that. And I'm glad I'm happy. Like your dad raised you to be independent and not to depend on anyone. And that's a really, really good thing. But eventually you're going to get old (laughs) You're going to get old and your friends will have their significant others and their families to take care of. And you need someone to take care of you and you need to open your heart and don't be afraid to let someone else in because you're going to need each other. And I have your auntie um, and like we have each other and like that's comforting. And like I, I just I'm afraid that you're shutting yourself out from that. And that infuriated me so yeah. much because, yeah, because like my parents are codependent on each other in, in ways that I think are really unhealthy. Um, because we moved around a lot, we were kind of taught that our nuclear family unit was really all we had to depend on each other. Mm-hmm. They didn't really reach out to their parents, my grandparents for any help. Um, they didn't really make friends from what I perceived as a kid when we moved from place to place. And we were just generally taught, like, don't trust anybody but each other. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And so so when I grew up, quote unquote, and met my ex-husband, it kind of almost became the same thing where I had a really solid group of friends that I met through work. And I was still really tight with my high school friends because we all lived in the same city at that time. But once I got married... Um, my ex was also in the military. Uh, we moved to a different city within the same state and I started my graduate school program, but we didn't really know anyone in that city. And so it was just the two of us and it kind of became that for a while because he didn't really like huge group outings. He wasn't as extroverted as I was. And, and so for a couple of years, I feel like I wasn't really as close to any of my friends and I wasn't as like 
enthusiastic about meeting new people because we kind of had each other to -hmm. depend on and there wasn't that urgency to meet new people. Um, And then I found that I was very, very, very unhappy with that and tried to change things up a little bit, tried to meet a new group of people. I got involved with theater and he just was not interested in being as involved with that part of my life. And so there was like a distinct four month period where he did not know any of my friends, didn't meet any of them. They had never met him. And so I felt like I was just living this like completely separate life. And towards the end of that, I realize like, this is not what I want. I do not want to be in a relationship where it's just the two of us through thick and thin. Like that is not enough for me. I need a community of people. Yeah. I, so the, the relationship that I moved to Chicago with, she, um, was very antisocial, just didn't like, didn't like to socialize. And I am a social person. I love being and meeting people and, she would just, she hated all of the people that I met. She didn't want to be friends with any of them. She wanted, you know, she would get mad at me if I went somewhere else. There was this one night that I went to go see my friend Katie who had moved to the city with us and, um, but Lexi didn't like her. And she called and like, I decided I was going to stay at Katie's house just one night. And she called me over and over and over again. She would leave me messages. She was like, please come home, please come home. And like, that was like when I realized that this was like an unhealthy relationship, that she was so dependent on me. And, you know, I, when I started grad school, I was working like 30 hours a week. So I, so I could have health insurance so she could go to a therapist. Like I was doing all these things to make her happy. And I realized that it was driving me crazy. And so I started to act out and I, you know, cheated on her because I felt so constrained. I felt Mm -hmm. like I was put into this box and I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, and you know, my family is very, you know, my mother will tell you till the cows come home that, you know, codependency is awful and you can't depend on anybody ever, but my family is very codependent on each other. You know, my uncle and my aunt and my mom talk to each other all the time, all the every day they only rely on each other. They hang out with each other. And, you know, when I left that like group, it was very much like I was betraying everybody by leaving. And, um, you know, it's not as extreme. Like my mom has her own friends and, but they're very, their idea of family is very much heightened than mine. Mm -hmm. My idea of family is not as, dependent as theirs are. Um, and I don't know. I think that I, I run the line, you know, my mom told me forever, like not to be dependent on somebody. And I, and I guess I didn't even realize that when someone was dependent on me, um, that that was unhealthy as well. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not codependent. I'm not codependent. But then I was like, Oh wait, I like, I was like an enabler of codependence um, because I liked to feel needed. And I liked that I felt important, like someone needed and wanted me that much. Um, And that was, you know, something that I really responded to. Um, But I think that there are small ways where I am always trying to be around people and to feel connected. I think Alcohol was a way that I forged connections. Um, And I think in a weird way, I was kind of dependent on alcohol um, to make me feel good, to make me feel cool, to make me feel wanted. You know, I used alcohol to kind of make that connection because I felt so insecure Mm -hmm. of myself and I felt so insecure about people really liking me or really caring about me. I didn't believe it. And I think it's still hard for me to believe that people care about me and people want to be around me. Um, And alcohol made me feel like they did. And I think that when I got sober, I was so scared that everything was going to fall apart because in my head, like that was what, that was what kept me connected and that was what kept me 
you know, included in everything. Um, and then getting sober and kind of realizing that the depths of my relationship, I mean, some of the relationships I had with people definitely kind of fell by the wayside, but, um, the people that really mattered, that really, you know, cared about me, they stuck around and they're now the people that I can't imagine my life without, you know? Yeah. Like alcohol does a really great job, um, with acting as sort of a, sort of a push pull mechanism. Um, because in a way it does open you up so that you are able to more easily connect with people. But at the same time, it's kind of a safety net so that if you do feel like you're becoming too vulnerable or too close, just lean on alcohol a little bit and it'll separate you and mm. you won't care as much about vulnerability or at yeah. least that's what I was using it for. But yeah, like since I stopped drinking, like same with you, like I did have some friendships that fell by the wayside and then the ones that didn't, I'm like the more close with, like I value them a lot more and I work a lot harder to be a good friend to those people and to show up yeah. for those people. Yeah. Um, and so the, the friendships that did fall to the wayside, I used to sort of dwell on those a lot more um, because those, those same friendships were the same ones I, I was still worried about while I was drinking. Uh, but a way for me to not really think about it was to just drink some more or use alcohol as a way to get closer with them. Uh, and now that alcohol is out of the picture, they're also out of the picture, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm definitely... I'd rather have a few good friends than a bunch of friends that don't care, mm -hmm. you know, whether or not I'm okay or here or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I just... I guess I'm really thankful for sobriety, at least like right now today, mm -hmm. um, for letting me be grateful and for letting me like really examine, you know, the good in my life. I think it's really hard for me to you know, find the good. And um, I think it's like almost second nature in some respects to just be mm -hmm. like, this is terrible and bad or, um, I'm, I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy enough or whatever. Um, and those thoughts haven't gone away and, you know, I don't think ever really will, um, which is sad and depressing to think about, but. But as we learn from Gilmore Girls. Oh my God, Gilmore Girls. Life changes. Life changes. And we have our ups and downs and it's okay. Yeah. And just like learning to be okay with, I think. You know, go back to Gilmore Girls. Um, you know, Emily's story was so moving because um, she, at first, she wasn't ready to let go and she didn't know how to let go. And she um, was so stuck in that feeling. And, you know, she finally had to make those hard choices and kind of make, decide to do things differently. You know, mm -hmm. like step, really stepping out and yeah. really kind of finding something new. And, um, I think that that's like, what's so great mm -hmm. about her storyline. Um, and you know, I, I think it's something that I'm going to try to emulate. I don't know. I think that I'm doing it in small mm -hmm. ways. Um, I'm putting myself out there, I think a lot more than I had before. Um, but yeah, just kind of trusting trusting the journey is that mm -hmm. is that too stupid to say or no like it makes just, perfect sense just trust the journey and trust um that you're and giving yourself credit you know like today I woke up and I didn't drink that's that's kind of an awesome thing mm -hmm. um Today I woke up and watched a whole bunch of people day drink on Gilmore Girls. Oh my gosh, the day drinking. So much day so drink. So much sherry and scotch. And I was like... A lot of scotch I, during midday. And I always wanted to learn more about scotch. 
because I'm a snob. Uh, and now I'm not going to have that opportunity. And that does make yeah. me a little sad. Your scotch days are My gone. My scotch days are numbered. Nope, they're not was, numbered. They're done. I was never a scotch person. I was... Gin. Mm-hmm. Gin was my... Okay, yeah. See, I liked whiskey and the my, bourbon. I liked whiskey. I, the amount of Jameson I've drank is sh- just disgusting. Mm-hmm. Just gross. This is... Working in the service industry has done that to me. Um, but I... Yeah, I don't know. I... Gratitude. I don't know. I think that's a really great kind of theme and a great thing to think about. Um, And sobriety, I think, gives you not that you can't be grateful while you're drinking, but Mm -hmm. I think people that have a problem drinking, I think that gratitude is a really hard thing to come by and a really hard thing to recognize. Um, And even being sober, I think it's taken me a really long time to get to a place of being grateful. Um, But you know, I am, you know, in this move, mm-hmm. in this moment right here, I'm really grateful today. I got up, um, I cleaned the house. Um, I hung out with our new roommate, Akshat, who is awesome. Mm-hmm. And we went to Trader Joe's and then we went to Target and then we came back and, and Faith came home, my, my sweet Faith. And we watched Gilmore Girls and it was a perfect day. Today was a perfect day. Mm-hmm. It was just so great. And I feel so grateful for that. I feel so grateful that I have amazing roommates. I feel so grateful that we have a beautiful apartment. I know. Um, I feel so grateful that we have two crazy cats. Um, And I'm grateful that we're sober. And I, you know, and sobriety has given us our friendship. And sobriety has given, you know, me a lot of different chances. And, um... I think that it's really important to try to like see that mm-hmm. and be like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm grateful that I have friends who will agree to sit at a bar with me at on Friday night, like at midnight and not drink. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, that's a great, yeah. that's well, so great. Cause like I've, I've recently started up the dating thing again. Ugh. Um, this time, not I as... I shut the dating down. I was like, nah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I don't know. I had an interesting conversation with one of my friends because um, I was like, I think I want to actually try to date. Like, not just mess around and be a ghost, which is kind of what I've been doing to a few people because I'm not mature at all. Um, but, like, actually try to put myself out there and forge meaningful relationships, whatever that means. Uh, and so she was like, are you sure you're ready for that? And I said, like, maybe, maybe not. But I do like, I do want to kind of give it a chance and not close myself off. Um, but part of that will probably mean having to either say, no, I won't go grab a drink with you because I don't drink or having to go to a bar with someone and then having to deal with talking to someone I don't know very well as they drink in front of me. That's very, that's very brave of you. I I wouldn't call it brave. I'd call it a little meh, but (laughs) I am not, I am not that brave. I am perfectly content to just like die alone watching Gilmore girls over (laughs) and over again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was so weird. I was talking that to Akshat today um, about, you know, dating and putting yourself out there. And he said something and we both kind of agree. It's like, I, I guess I'm also coming to terms with like what kind of person I am. Mm -hmm. And I am not a person that dates. I'm just not that person. I, it's just not my thing. It doesn't come naturally to me. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like going and meeting someone and basically to me like a date is just like you're ascertaining whether or not you want to sleep with that person Mm -hmm. and I really don't like that I really you know sexual trauma stuff just like that doesn't it just doesn't go well with me um I'm like a person that needs to be friends with somebody and to feel safe and comfortable with them and then maybe Mm -hmm. you know think about dating um so when people are like, I'm going to go date, I'm like, oh my God, you're so brave. You're so, yeah. you're so much braver than I am because I just can't, 
I can't do it. And so I think that because I can't do it, I'm just going to be forever alone. I'm just not going to be able to find anybody. But I also think that, I don't know, I I kind of have qualms about myself actively going out on dates um, for several reasons. Um, But because like my ideal would be to meet somebody, be friends with them, have them be friends with all of my friends and then have something naturally evolve from that. The problem is that's what happened with my last relationship. And so if I were to meet someone through our friend group, we would all just be mutual friends and that would be a big mess, Mm -hmm. um, which I just don't want to deal with. And so the alternative really is like meeting someone outside of the friend group and then introducing them to the friends. And I'm like skipping like miles ahead right now. Yeah. Um, You need a, we need a meet cute. You need a meet cute. I don't, I don't really want to meet cute. I don't know. I say I want a date, but I've also like been really, really laxadaisy with answering my text messages from people in that I don't. I know, uh, I never yeah. do. So I don't confirm dates. And then so when the date is supposed to happen, they're like, oh, I didn't realize this was still happening. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I guess not. Nice. Too bad. No worries. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lols. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not very good. Ask my entire family. I'm not good at texting people back. I'm not good at I just, I like, I also like not, I'm, I'm trying really hard to not be dependent on my phone and not be mm-hmm. dependent on like talking to people. So I think that's kind of where my like natural hermitness comes in. Cause I'm like, I just don't want to, I don't know. I just want to be able to like live in my life like in the moment and not, um, kind of be sucked in by my phone or technology mm-hmm. or, um, I say this as a person that listens to podcasts, like all the fucking time, especially political podcasts. But there's a difference between getting information that's actually relevant to life versus mindlessly scrolling through. Yeah. I've tried to stay off Facebook too, mostly because my mother keeps sending me like anti-Muslim jargon and I just don't, I I just cannot even have the, I cannot have the argument. I just Mm -hmm. can't. Um, and it's get it's so it's nasty out there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I just this. I just want to. It's really important to surround yourself with yeah. people that are, you know, going to be good influences on your life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's terrible advice. It's such like no, hallmark stupid stuff. And I think okay, so I think the reason. I'm actually dating is because it is a defense mechanism and an escape. Um, just it's a form of escapism that I'm using for what's going on politically because I've been getting more politically involved in community organization. And a lot of what I read is the news and it is what's actually going on in Congress today and with the government. And, and so if I'm not doing that, um, then I'm working on something that's related to that. And so really the only way that I've been able to disconnect completely from that is by doing stupid stuff like meeting up with random guy number three. You could just watch the Gilmore Girls. And then cry incessantly as I like reflect on my life. I know. <laughs> There's just no escape. Like I can't. I like introspecting, but I can only handle so much of it. Oh my God, that's like all I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just take like a my break. life. Got to take a break. I know, which is why I just end up spending a Saturday alone, just like doing nothing mm-hmm. because I can't handle the state of my brain. It's so crazy. Um, and we were talking about that a little bit too, like that idea, the the line between isolation and taking time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm trying to learn the boundaries of like just taking time for myself and feeling okay with that time. Um, and to not feel like I'm throwing my entire life away because I choose to do nothing on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think that I'm like, I could be writing, I could be reading, I could be doing all of these things. Um, but we need to take a mental break. Yeah. I mean, I think that I've just hit the point of exhaustion because um, I'm, I'm approaching four months of sobriety. And I think through New Year's, it had been constantly like journaling and trying to break down 
why I engaged in certain behaviors and what I can do to cope with things better, trying to figure out the root of why I was so dependent on alcohol. It was just a lot of that on top of dealing with a breakup, on top of dealing with the political yeah mess. you you got sober at like <laughs> it's like well if I'm gonna go let's just go big right yeah. and yeah and so I think I'm I'm to the point where I'm just like it's hard to introspect and it's I just don't want to do it anymore yeah not to say that I want to completely say fuck it and neglect all the work that I've been doing on myself the past several months because I don't want to do that either that's not what my plan is. Um, but it's like, how do you strike that balance? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, especially cause like, I mean, being in rehab, there's like, it's just all introspection. Mm. <laughs> just like, let's examine every single fucking thing. And I think that I've just done so much work that God, there's part of me that's just really tired of, just constantly examining myself mm. and examining. And it's um, okay to take a break. I know. I'm trying to learn that. I'm really trying to learn it. I've been getting better at it, especially because I'm going to see Hamilton on Wednesday. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so, <laughs> so excited. I have a velvet red skirt that I'm going to nice. wear. Your little baby's hanging up there. It's kind of ridiculous. And perfect for me in every way you will cry oh my god I because know. it is simply amazing um hold on has what's his face taken over as aaron burr yet oh my god wayne brady yeah i don't know i really hope so i'll die i mean the guy who's currently playing aaron burr in the chicago show is still amazing um so even if it's not wayne brady like you're still in for a treat like you will cry it'll be an emotional experience a spiritual experience just all the experiences it's gonna be so good i'm so excited i like mm -hmm. i can't it, it's just such a great you know i don't know we did like my anniversary year but like this whole month you know at, at this point i was at home and um i was you know, just in this really, so like all of these like little things that are happening that are these shining like stones where it's like, you know, you were in such a, you were in such a bad place. Like everything was so terrible. And now a year later, you're going to see Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Like the thing that you, it's just like what I listened to nonstop, just like couldn't stop listening to it. And that was like the, the soundtrack of my, of my recovery, um, and, and now you're finally going to see it. And now I'm finally going to see it. It's just, it's so emotional for me. It's like a really, I mean, I started crying when, when Emma asked me and, you know, it's just, I was like already having an emotional, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to start crying. Like as I walk into the theater, like mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's just when I'm going to start crying and it's just not going to stop. And that's totally fine. Like, I think we need those cathartic experiences where we're just like feeling all the feelings and going through the emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel bad about it. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to be, <laughs> it's just who I am. It's just what I'm doing. Um, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be really, really great. I'm super excited. I actually had this really interesting thought that crossed my mind the other day. Um, so I was thinking like, I hopefully will live a really long time. Um, but I'm going to run into a point at some, some point in my life where I'm not going to have as strong of a community to fall back on as I do right now at this moment. Um, and some tragic shit is probably going to happen because, you know, life, people die, um, shit happens. And yep. so I was thinking to myself, like, if I did decide to have one drink, how would, how, how would that play out? And, and like, if I had, if I, and I thought about this before, it's like, and my answer to that would be like, well, fuck it. I failed. Yeah. Like so much for sobriety. Um, but I thought to myself, like, if I had one drink at some point in my life during a really dark period in the future, 
that would be okay. And I would just not drink after that because I know what will happen if I continue drinking. Yeah. Um, not saying that I'm planning to have a drink anytime in the near future, just that it was kind of comforting to know that I'm actively making this decision to stay sober. Yeah. And to not use alcohol as a crutch or a dependency. Yeah. And I think, you know, have you gotten the question where people are like, well, do you think you'll ever drink again? Absolutely. I actually was at a work happy hour earlier this month where, of course, one of the senior directors noticed that I had ordered a non-alcoholic beverage and work was paying for the first round of drinks. And so she was like, oh, it's okay. You can have a drink. We're, we're paying for it. And oh, I was yeah, like, I oh, um, yeah, I'm I'm doing, you know, dry January. And, and so she was like, oh, okay. So the next happy hour, I was like, actually, like, I'm having a pretty good time doing this dry January thing. I think I might just prolong it for, you know, as long as I can. And so she asked me like, oh, okay, well, that's really like impressive. And like, do you think, like, do you think you'll drink again? And that's really tough to answer to somebody. You don't want to know your business. It's, it's a huge question. And you know, I, I always go, I don't know. I have, Mm -hmm. I have no idea what's going to happen in in the future. None of us do. All I know is today I'm not going to drink. And you know what, if down the line, if I drink, then the best part about sobriety is I can always stop drinking again. Mm -hmm. You can always, it's not the end of the world. Like if I drink, if I, you know, had a beer tomorrow, that doesn't mean that I just failed Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's no coming back from it. You know, I, I can still kind of make my way back. Not saying that I, it's okay for me to drink. Like I'm not, I'm not planning on it. And I, and I'm not going to try to find an excuse to drink. Cause I think that that's kind of what people mm-hmm. like, I'm going to find a reason for why I have to drink. Um, I'm not going to do that because I feel I'm really happy in my sobriety right mm-hmm. now. I feel really good in it. I don't feel, um, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Yeah. Like, um, and, and I know, I know that, sobriety was the best decision for me. Like hands down, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that my life is so much better without alcohol. Um, I know what alcohol does to me and I don't like it. And I have no desire to go back to that. I also know that I was not expecting to want to drink on the night of the election. Like that was a really big surprise for me. And I think that had you not been in the apartment with me, I would have drunken. And yeah. and so if, if if I do drink alcohol again sometime in the future, it's not going to be out of something I expect because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah, like as long as I'm in control of myself and I have clear and present mind, like I'm not going to drink, but you never know what's going to actually happen. And yeah. so, and you know, I don't know. I was, I have a great aunt who, um, you know, could go and I'm, I'm very close to her. I'm very close to her. And, um, you know, thinking about that, like my first death and trying to deal with that sober, it's mm-hmm. like a, a looming, a looming thing in my life. Um, I'm trying not to, trying not to kind of think too much about it and just like have positive thoughts about it. Um, but it's something that's very real and could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and I already want to drink just thinking of, I mean, I don't, I don't want to drink. Like I was just like, I don't want to drink, but you know, um, thinking about dealing with that situation is just, is really, really hard already. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I think maybe because I like already see the, the, I'm seeing the trees from the forest Mm -hmm. that, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like that, but I mean, I don't know. You don't know how you're going to feel until it happens. You don't know. No one, no one expects tragedy to happen. 
Yeah. It just happens. I think that's that was my other takeaway from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> like no one expected Richard to pass away. And this is not a spoiler because most people who follow Gilmore Girls knew that the actor who played Richard yeah, had passed away. Had passed away. Um, and so they addressed it in the show by, you know, having Richard pass away. And it was a very unexpected thing for the Gilmore family. And and I think it just goes back to like watching everyone day drink yeah. away. Oh God. Yeah. And just did you realize that like anytime things got like a little hard or rough, they just the like, scotch just came out of the drawer. Yeah, alcohol and, yep. just like came mm-hmm. in and um not knocking anybody's way of dealing with things. But, you know, for me, that became all too common and all too mm-hmm. easy to just be like, oh, I'm sad. I'm just going to, I'm just going to drink. I don't yeah. want to think about it. I'm just going to drink. Um, I don't want to feel anything, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going to drink. Um, that became very problematic in my life and um, something that I, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I just I ruined way too many friendships and relationships because of my drinking, because of how I treated people and how selfish I got and mm-hmm. what I did, like my behavior that I engaged in while I was drinking was just not conducive to healthy relationships. And I hurt a lot of people and I have no desire to be that person. No. No, I was really selfish. I think that I'm still selfish, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm less selfish now that I'm not drinking. Um, and you know, kind of like going back to, um, this idea about like, well, um, you know, when I got sober, I kind of stopped being accountable to my friends. Um, my old friends, I felt like I needed new friends, Mm -hmm. like almost pulling a geographic, but like in the same city Mm -hmm. where I'm like, Oh, I need to meet all of these new people, these new sober people. And I need to be doing these sober things. And this is, um, what's I should do. And, you know, I wasn't a very, I was, I wasn't a very good friend to the people that were really my good friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think I've gotten farther enough in my sobriety and kind of, I don't know, realized that I think that my path to sobriety is not going to be the path that I think a lot of other people follow. Um, and, you know, doing the things that other people do to keep them sober. I think that that's awesome, but I don't necessarily, that doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel right to, you know, only be around sober people. It feels right to me to be with my friends. And, um, I don't know. I just like, this is the path that feels mm-hmm. good and right to me. And I, um, I don't know. I just have to like see it through. Yeah. Like one of the, so one of the coolest experiences I had this week was, um, a group of my girlfriends. Uh, we all went to this house. Uh, one of the girls was house sitting for a colleague of hers and her colleague was like, yeah, have a party or something. Like the house is like open to you and your friends. And so we all went to the house and just like did a sleepover watched The Bachelor and ate pizza and then made pancakes the next morning. That's and, so great. And the coolest thing about it is like I was the only person within the group of the six of us who was actually sober, like as in I don't drink at all. But none of us really felt the need to drink. No one brought alcohol. And we just like were all completely alcohol free the entire evening. Um, which was really cool. It was just really cool to be able to hang out with a group of people and not have us all be like, I can't drink because then I'll do terrible things. Yeah. Um, it was just like by choice, we're not drinking cause we don't need alcohol to enjoy each other's company. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's when it's so great when you're like, Oh, and you know, my friends, they don't, um, none of them are like sober but a lot of them just don't really drink. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have a glass of wine or whatever, but it's not. Or like a beer, but it's never an access. Um, and that feels, that's just like a lot easier for me to deal with, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and we watch The Bachelor also, which I don't know how I got roped into watching this stupid show. It's but so I, dumb. Have you seen Baby Bachelor? Th- what for babies? Yes. Okay. So it's a Jimmy Kimmel skit and 
then he, I guess, got his niece and nephew to play like the baby bachelor and the baby bachelorette. Baby bachelorette is better than baby bachelor, FYI. Oh my God. Um, but it, it's like five, five minute episodes. Uh, highly recommend it. Next Man. time you're with your like group watching The Bachelor, pull up baby bachelorette. Oh my God. I might need to do it on Tuesday. Mm. So good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so yeah, I, I think community is really important. Being able to find like that group of people that you feel comfortable with, comfortable enough that you don't need alcohol to enjoy each other's company is. Yeah. And I think being true to yourself and not trying to, you know, force something that doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're trying to force yourself into not drinking or if you're trying to force yourself into a group um, because you think that'll make you not drink, I don't know. I just don't think that that's the best way to do it. I think that you need to do what feels right to you and what feels healthy to you Mm -hmm. Um, and to trust that. I think that I have a problem with trying to do what people think that I should do and not what is going to make me happy Um, because then I just end up miserable and or not maybe not miserable, but I don't feel authentic and I don't feel myself. And so, um, you know, anybody, I just think that you should trust yourself and trust what's going to make you happy Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, I think... I don't know. I just sobriety only works when you're comfortable with it by yourself. Yeah. Like, yes, you need the community to help you because no one can like get through stuff by themselves because that's that's when you start turning to alcohol to help you with issues and stuff. But like you need the, the strength and the decision to stop drinking or to change any unhealthy behavior really needs to first come from within yourself and then you need to be able to ask for help from other people. Yeah. Um, like I, I needed to pull the geographic and move to the city and have things fall apart a couple more times before I was finally ready to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. I yeah. tried and I wasn't ready before and it wasn't until like I got to the point where I was like, no, I had a really good thing that I completely just fucked up for absolutely no reason. Um, that finally got me to stop. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to treatment and then was trying to force myself into this recovery bubble and immediately upon getting to the city, like immediately drank, um, because I've, I wasn't being authentic. Mm -hmm. Authenticity is really important. Yeah. Like, and being comfortable with that authenticity is like super important. You know, like you just have to decide to be who you are um, for better, for worse. Mm -hmm. Like just keep it, keep it real. Keep it 100. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that like I've always been really good about I'm always, I think that I'm probably an oversharer and I let people know all of the bits and parts of me. Um but that's who I am. You know, like I have to be authentic and I have to be who I am and I'm the, I'm the type of person that I will tell you about my life and I'll you know, put it out there and that's just just who I am and you know, um I think that all of, I don't know, I think all of my thoughts are going away because I'm getting really tired. Yeah, I think, I think we said enough. Um, Yeah, so watch the Gilmore Girls. Watch the Gilmore Girls. It's so good. Year in the Life was actually really freaking good. I don't know what all your, you haters were talking about. I love, I love like shouting out to the haters. I I don't know what you haters are talking (laughs) about. We're going to give shout outs to our haters. No, because it was just so true to life. Like, I I feel like everything that happened, including the ending, which I hated. I did hate the ending. That was like such a bullshit cop out. That was just a balloon pop. That's what that was. But now that I'm about an hour removed from it, 
fine, fine. That's how life works. Yeah. It's very true to life. Um, so yeah, just keep on keeping on. We go through ups and downs and just, you know, find that inner strength in yourself, but also lean on the community and your family that you choose. Yeah. Yeah. Let them trust them to hold you, but also, you know, be okay with holding yourself sometimes. It's okay to be alone. My mom's favorite saying is you got to learn how to stroke yourself. Oh yeah. This I'll learn how to stroke myself. What she said to us unironically. <laughs> and we were like, what? What, what? So, what, what? So, uh, this is Alyssa on the DL. I'm just trying to say, stay sober because it's cool. It's what all the cool kids are doing. You're not cool unless you're not drinking. You're not cool unless you aren't drinking. Or you're just not cool. Or you're just not cool. I mean, like, that is legitimate. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. Some people just, like, aren't cool. People can't be cool unless there are uncool people. Yeah. So, so I'm willing to take one for the team. I, I, I'll take it. All right. I'll take, I'll take one down. All right. So from the uncool kids. <laughs> to the cool kids. All you haters out there. <laughs> stay safe. Stay sober. Use protection. Oh. Use, use protection. <laughs> and stay sober. And stay sober. <laughs> Okay, bye. Bye.